Welcome to the Mind Matters Podcast. I'm your host, David Adamson, and I'm David. here with the one and only Neil one, Sandlin. Neil, how you doing? Only. Hey, I'll tell you this, David. There better be one and only. <laughs> um, the world, I don't think, could deal with two of me. Nah, I don't think so. <laughs> I'm excited, man. I'm excited yeah. for today. Today's going to yeah. be great. Well, the, we, yeah, we got a special guest today. I'm super excited about it myself. And the reason for this podcast is to help provide Christians with the encouragement and resources necessary to love God with all their minds. Because, you know, Neil, so often in Christian circles, we do not do a good job of helping each other love God with our minds. Yeah. And and we believe, you and I, and the, the mind matters. Right. And that... that Matters of the mind should be dealt with right. like we deal with anything else that makes up human nature and the human condition, frankly. Yeah. And, so, and so often, David, you know, the church speaks of um, the heart, you yeah. know, and they'll speak of loving the Lord with your heart. And, right. um, and sometimes the mind can get left out, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. And so the affections are there, the, the, the will or the motive might be there, right. but the mind so often is left out of this loving God. But Jesus made sure he knew that one of you know, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so that's yes. why we're doing this podcast, yes. hopefully just to encourage people to engage their mind more in loving, yeah. the, loving the Lord. Yeah, and when we want to keep our minds healthy. And when one way yeah. of doing that is we, we, we like to do what we call mind check. Right. And that's where we just kind of check on our minds, say how we're doing, what we're thinking, what's going on. Because if you're not thinking rightly, you're not living rightly. Right. And we want to make sure that we're doing that. So, Neil, let me start with you. How is your mind? What is your mind check today? Um, well, you know, and just to add real quick, David, you know, one of the things I think is very important is to normalize talking about yeah. what we're going, what's going on in our lives. Absolutely. I think sometimes what the, what the, the devil loves and kind of what's the, the natural inclination of human beings when they're dealing with issues is to kind of isolate themselves or pull mm-hmm. back from people. Yeah. And I know for myself, that was the worst thing that I could possibly do with my anxiety, yeah. you know, is to remove myself rather than talk about what I'm going through and thinking it and verbalizing it. And so we're trying right. to normalize that with the mind check. And, um, and so David, you know, Thanksgiving was just this last weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you're celebrating, you're grateful, you're thankful, you're, yes. you're, you're blessing the Lord for everything he is and what he has done. And at the same time that it's this joyous occasion of gathering with friends and family, uh, I'm always keenly aware that there are people um, that I love dearly who also are dealing with sorrow mm-hmm. during the holidays. Mm-hmm. And so like in my life, my wife lost her father about a year and a half ago. My, uh, I have a niece and nephew that lost their mother three years ago. I have a, uh, two nephews that lost their mother when they were teenagers, and now they're in their 20s. Mm. Um, I have a cousin who lost her husband just about a year and a half ago. And so I, I saw all of them this weekend. And yeah. so we're having these conversations about thanks and gratitude and the blessings of the Lord, and yet it's for them there's so much mixed with sorrow as well, right, because right. we're celebrating and yet my husband's not here. We're celebrating right. and my mother's not here. We're celebrating and my father's not here. Right. And so that weighs on me because you love them, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so you, you want to be um, helpful. You want to be loving. You want to be yeah. sensitive to that. I was able to have a couple conversations with them yeah. and just um, let them talk. You know, I That's wonder good. how many people said to them, hey, you know, how are you doing emotionally right now with your, you know, your, your mom not being here right? and to just give them a platform to kind of share. Right. Um, 
and to hear that that was so good for them. Thank you for letting me talk about good. my mom. Thank good. you for letting me talk about, um, yeah. cause a lot of times people don't know what to say, you know, right. you know that some people are hurting right. and there's mix. And so I just dealt with that, you mm. know, over the weekend and, and, you know, especially with my wife, you mm-hmm. know, losing her father and, and dealing with that relationship mm-hmm. that wasn't always everything that she wanted it to be, but then dealing with the, the loss of mm. her father. And so checking on her, making sure she was okay and um, just dealing with all that. And of course, I've never lost anybody near as close as any of the examples that I just gave. And for you, David, mm. I've never lost anybody as close as you've lost. You know, you lost a mother yeah. and, a, and a baby. So what's it like for you to wrestle with all of that, you know, or to have both all, all those emotions there together at a time like the holidays? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, so last year, I uh, lost my mother last December. Um, and then we lost our, our first child that was, uh, be five years coming up this February. And so, yeah, every year, uh, that's just how it, it, it's that bittersweet that you're talking about where we are sorrow yet always rejoicing. You know, it's at the same time where as much as I'm enjoying like my daughter, Noel, my second daughter, Noel, I'm enjoying her so much and I'm enjoying the family sure. time. Yeah. But anytime I'm with her, I'm thinking, well, what's better than one Noel is two girls. <laughs> right. You know, I, I, yeah. want, I want two girls with me. Right. I want to wrestle with both of them. Um, I want to have fun and play with both of them. And so there, there is always that feeling. And, and then just having the first Thanksgiving without my mom, it was strange, mm. you know, it was odd. Um, and so, but the thing that I'm always remembering is just that hope. That hope yeah. that we have, um, as Paul mentions in Thessalonians, that we we do not have sorrow without any hope. We, right. we are always thinking about the next thing, the next mm-hmm. thing that's going to be happening when Christ returns, makes all things right, brings our loved ones back, you know, things like that. That's what keeps me going. Mm-hmm. If I don't have that hope, then I got nothing. Right. <laughs> now, that's what I was going to ask you. How do you, um, and I've lost grandparents, mm-hmm. but that's as, about as close as I've lost. But So how do you process during this time to to make sure that you don't have just big emotional swings right Right. like how do you process so that you don't you know get so sad that you can't celebrate Mm -hmm. or how do you get to where you're celebrating and just pushing down or denying the reality of sorrow that you you have at the same time holding on to truth all you can do is hold on to truth knowing what the bible says like i was talking about with the hope understanding that that is coming straight from the scriptures that is coming straight from God's words mm-hmm. himself. So he's making that promise to me. He's telling right. me I'm going to make all things new. I'm going to bring things back. So mm-hmm. keeping that in my, my head is so crucial because that way I may be sad about losing someone, but in the, even in that moment I can say, but this is not the end. Yeah. I haven't really lost. Yeah. Them. Yeah. This is, this haven't really lost them. Um, one of my favorite quotes, I'm, I'm going to totally butcher it, but from Mary Poppins, the second one that was made, right. um, saying that nothing is completely lost. It's just misplaced. Yeah. I love that quote. I, yeah. I love that quote so much. I have that on a little bookmark uh, mm-hmm. that actually your wife and Amanda made me, uh, for my daughter right. to, to remind me that she's just been misplaced and she's going to come right back right. because Jesus is holding her right, right now, you know, and, she, and she's going to be on the new earth with you. And, Absolutely. And all that has, that sin has taken away and that death has taken away will be given back to you a hundredfold. Yeah. And, um, well, that's great, David. I, I'm, I think of you all the time during the holidays um, with Brooklyn, um, and now with your mom. And, um, and so I've got a lot of people close to me that even though I'm not experiencing it firsthand with close Mm -hmm. relationships Mm -hmm. like that, I love my grandparents, but it's a little bit different when you lose a mom or a a daughter. Mm. And, um, and again, this is why, having these conversations, focusing on the mind, 
really matters. And yes. one of the things that David and I wanted to do from the very beginning is to to get some people on the podcast with us that have more experience yeah. in helping people love the Lord with their mind than just you and me. I mean, mm-hmm. great, you're hearing from you and me, but right. <laughs> um, people that have more experience and people that can can speak to this a little bit better than maybe you and I can. And that's what we have today. We actually have a, um, a professor from Criswell College that I didn't have the honor and privilege of being able to um, sit under, but you have, yes. and spoken highly, highly. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're really going to talk about the life of a Christian counselor. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so we're going to get into that in just a moment. David, thank you for sharing your heart, man, and um, I love you. And I just want you to know that uh, we love you guys and we want you to love the Lord with all your mind. So uh, just strap in because it's going to be a good one. Well, we are so honored and blessed today to be joined by Dr. Steve Hunter. He is the professor of psychology and counseling at Criswell College and um, here in Dallas. I graduated from there in 2004. David. You're about to graduate. From I'm there. about to graduate. You're about this to graduate. Spring. It's coming. It's this coming. Spring. So close. Uh, you've been talking about your classes, it. and yeah, it's, <laughs> oh, it's it's right here. Well, Doctor Hunter, we are so grateful to have you join us today, and we are so excited to talk uh, Christian counseling with you. Hey, well, thanks. I'm really happy to be here with these uh, outstanding graduates. So, just love. Yeah. David to death, one of our outstanding students. So, yes. just really, Aww. the privilege is all mine. Yeah. So, Thanks, sir. Um, <clears throat> David, you didn't bribe him or tell him that he had to say anything like that. Just right? a little bit, not too much. <laughs> yeah, nothing yeah. illegal. Well, we're very nothing <laughs> illegal. We're very, we're very excited, and I guess I, I really want to start, Doctor Hunter, um, asking you just about how you came to Christ. What was your, your the circumstances kind of surrounding you coming to Christ and falling in love with Jesus? Yeah, I think that that's a great question. And just first of all, just want to say kudos to you, Neil, for your leadership and just really taking the opportunity to talk about mental health and mm-hmm. issues surrounding mental health. It is really the most important thing that we can do is yeah. just to talk yeah. and normalize yes. mental health issues. So yes. yeah. I guess that's where I'm going to begin. Um, I guess I'll start uh, back in middle school. I was bullied and that was probably a couple of years, really intense. Um, you know, it's not just like I was beat up, you know, in in the men's locker room or boys' locker room. Right. Um, that's kind of, I guess, my definition of hell now is middle school oh. boys' locker room. Mm, yes. And so that went on for a while, but it was the things that I was called or told that really, I think, cut deep. And, you know, it was a, at a time when, I mean, how old are you at that time? It's really an important stage developmentally. Mm-hmm. And so um, I had skipped a grade in elementary school, and so it just put me younger than all of the rest of the kids. And you know, what was really quite humiliating is I wasn't just abused. I never called it abuse until someone came, I shared my story and someone came up to me and said, wow, really sorry for the abuse that you experienced. And I'm like, well, I don't think it was abuse, Mm. but it was abuse. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. Yeah. And it was also, it was the verbal, like whoever said, I mean, whoever made up that line, sticks and stones, 
may yeah, break right. my bones. That's, I mean, that's yeah. the biggest. Sometimes lie I'd rather that be hit rhymes. with sticks and stones than <laughs> right. just yeah. words. Right. Yeah, that's the biggest rhyming lie ever. Yeah. Mm. But those things really stuck with me. And what was even more humiliating was, you know, girls picked on me as mm. well. Man, I mean, it's one thing to be Oof. picked on by guys, but yeah. girls as well. And then the worst thing of all, and it's what I would like us to kind of focus on a little bit in our time together, it was loneliness. Mm. I felt completely alone. I didn't have one friend in middle school. I was just treated like a leper, basically. Mm. And that wow. really... It really made its impact. I, I even still struggle today with, with all that happened, you know, because of bullying. And um, so how does that tie in with my salvation? Well, I made this vow. Like, um, I remember my parents said, okay, we're going to move. And so I made this vow. I'm like, I'm never going to be hurt again. So mm. I started working out. I started taking Taekwondo lessons, you know, and I, was, I just had this vow. It's just made with anger really it was kind of made with hate mm -hmm. um and so i played sports and things just turned around majorly when we moved um and yeah so you weren't gonna you weren't gonna allow the bullying and the things you'd experienced at the last school to happen again. Yep. Ain't going to happen ever. Right. And you can kind of see that vow. Um, and it's driven by trauma. We'll talk about trauma yeah. because um, I research suicide and I have a trauma based theory of suicide. I think yeah. there's this deeper well that drives depression, these negative thoughts, these lies that drive anxiety. That deeper well is trauma. Yeah. <clears throat> and so. Yeah. We can talk about that a bit more, but I was 16 years old. I had everything that any 16-year-old could ever want or desire and got a brand-new Camaro um, for wow. my birthday and parked it in the garage after everybody left and popped in a, I guess I'll be transparent, popped in a new Pink Floyd tape <laughs> and started the engine, yeah. and that was going to be the end. That was going to be the end. Yep. Yeah. Wow. So what, how do you go from there to your life being transformed by Christ? So um, the interesting thing, um, just a coincidence, right? I saw the garage door open, you know, I was in the car and sun began to fill the garage and I could see the fumes, fumes and sun rays mixed yeah. together. Um, it was my dad. My parents came back. They forgot something. And wow. then oh my door opened. Wow. My dad grabbed me by the collar, pulled me out in the yard. And he was like, Steve, don't ever start a car in a closed garage. And I said, yeah, I was just listening to my new Pink Floyd tape. Mm. And that's all I said about it. Sure. Wow. Yeah, and did. so it's interesting how we keep things hidden. Yeah. Yes. But it was probably... Is it going to be the next? I hate to say it's the next weekend. Let me just be conservative and say two weeks. Right. <laughs> but probably it was the next weekend. Yeah. And um, I played football, and there, there's a Catholic church in my community, Prince of Peace. They would have a dance after the football games. And so here it is. You're probably not going to believe it, but it was um, I was there at the dance, 
And uh, in the background was Rolling Stones playing Can't mm. Get No Satisfaction. <laughs> <laughs> Everything just stopped in a moment of time. And really, literally, my life was flashing before my eyes. And I said, God, there's got to be more than this. You know, I just want to surrender mm. my life to you. Give so my that, life that, to you. So that song Live for was you. a little symbolic. I don't of think, <laughs> well, it might be, but I really don't think the Rolling Stones had anything to do with that moment. <laughs> probably not. Just, probably not. It's more like it's funny what you remember in yeah. those life-changing moments. Right. That was it. And I was and transformed. In that moment. Yeah, I was transformed. Wow. At a the, dance at a Catholic yeah, church. Yeah, I went home. And, you know, went to sleep the next morning. I, I just felt like a huge burden was released. Had, had you soul. had you heard the gospel um, yes, in I, church? You Were know, you raised in a Christian I home? You know, I believe, yeah, I believe so. All of that, you know, had an impact, you know. I mean, there right. was that moment that was so profound. But all of the things that led up, you know, to that. Yeah. And, but it was that moment yeah. when you said, there's got to be more to life than yeah, what that's I'm doing right. now. And I wow. think that's when everything that I'd heard up to that point, too, about the gospel also, man, was front and center right. in, that, in that moment as well. And, and did, um, were you involved in a church at the time? Yes. So uh-huh. discipleship started and all that kind oh, of stuff? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in, yeah, immediately plugged into Champion Forest Baptist Church. It was in mm. Spring, Texas, and it was a great church with Demon Shook. Yeah. As the oh, pastor. yeah, yeah, yeah. And wow, that was the that was the church to plug into. So sure. how so what were the circumstances kind of leading into, you know, we, we're all called to be ministers. Every Christian is called to be a minister, uh, you know, of some sort. How did you begin to feel the call to specifically going into Christian counseling and psychology and of course hearing your story I can kind of see a little bit of why that would probably be something that was on your heart but how, what are the circumstances leading to that uh yeah so that's another um I guess story that might take a little bit of time but I'll try and you know whittle it down a sure. bit so went to college by the end of college I was really feeling the call to ministry I was involved with uh, Baptist student union and campus crusade for christ in college and so i went to seminary graduated college and then went to seminary at uh southwestern baptist theological seminary mm-hmm. and um took all of my took all of my electives i think there there was 18 electives in the mdiv program right. at the time maybe 16 and i took it took all of them in counseling and so after mm. I graduated I, I met my my spouse there um, we got married right after graduation I started pastoring a church in northeast Texas and so I would knock on the mic maybe I'll just knock on the you can hear that right <laughs> knock on the table <laughs> so we just gotten back from our honeymoon and that was the knock at the door and I opened the door and the person that was standing in front of me said, you know, it's a, it's a crisis. It had to do uh, with sexual abuse. And mm-hmm. the person knew absolutely nothing. You know, what do I do? I'm at a complete loss. Yeah. You know, just broken. Yeah. And um, you know what? I didn't know what to do either. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So here you were in this position where somebody needed you to know yep. what to do and you had nothing. I didn't know what to do either with that. Mm. And so that's when I started going down the street at East Texas. I mean, it's 
Texas A&M Commerce now. Yeah. And um, started taking counseling classes. You know what? All the light bulbs came off. I was like, yeah. mm. you know, bells and whistles, all of that. I was like, whoa, this is really, this is really not only helpful, the education and the knowledge and the training and the tools, but it was, you know, therapeutic going through a program like that. So yeah. it was helpful for me personally. And yeah. I guess it answers a lot of questions now that I'm talking. It's why I love teaching, teaching, you know, I've taught pastors and I teach counselors now. And that's just uh, my, my great loves is theology, mm -hmm. but also counseling and psychology. And yeah. I think that integrative approach, um, I think that's when we can really be effective and yeah. used, um, just used by God to minister to the needs of the, of the hurting at their deepest point of suffering. But when you're there at that deepest point of suffering with that individual couple or family, you know what to do at that deepest point. Yeah. What I always found so amazing is that even in my, as I'm going to Cruzel, taking classes from you and other professors, of how uh, you mentioned earlier how therapeutic it was for you. Yes. It's so therapeutic for me too. I start to learn more about myself just by going to these classes because you start saying things inside about psychological things. And I'm like, oh, I do that. Oh, I think that. Wow. And so I start learning more about myself. Would you say that you found a lot of that for yourself when as you're learning? Yes, and that's true. It's such a great point, David. And you know that, so you can testify, right? and say amen so i really think that one of the best things um that we can do we'll talk about self-care later and i know people freak out oh self-care <laughs> you know that's of the devil or that's whatever. that hippie stuff yeah that's right <laughs> yeah. that's new age and so you know i've i've uh, reframed that to self-stewardship it's that oh, self-care yeah. self-compassion but it has a higher purpose yeah. that's to be mm. our best for god and to be our best for others Amen. and i preach that and yeah. we require that is personal counseling as part of the master's program and counseling mm. but as you know um the best thing that we can do i think to bring the maximum glory to god and then love those that he ha has entrusted to our care is to get help for ourselves deal with our own stuff have accountability and transparency mm. and learn and grow and continue on that journey for ourselves and anyway i'll preach that i should have got a couple of amens from neil should have got a so couple true. of amens so from david so should have some audience people calling in and saying amen should have had a lot we should have like a live it's just true. like a live group yeah, that sits right. in the background and just amens and claps wait a minute i think there's a line <laughs> they're already out there the door they're already out they're there waving, that's, oh that's great so when did you go when did you decide I'm I'm I want to go into teaching this or I want to become a professor and and help other people be able to help other people? Wow, that's really good. That's so, these are great questions. Thank you. I can just talk about these questions all day long. So I was getting the tools in my master's program. I was getting the tools. I was getting the theories. I was getting the interventions. I was getting these techniques. Um, and uh, we'll probably talk about integration later. I hope so. Sure. But um, but what happened was 
I was doing so well in the program that um, a couple of the professors said, you need to apply for the doctoral program. And I was like, okay. And the doctoral program <laughs> was really where I was like, that's where I want to teach. I want to give back right, what yeah. I'm learning so that yeah. that's a calling for me mm -hmm. now. Mm. All that I've received, it's like, you know, good Second Timothy 2, all that I've received, yeah. right? Yes. Yes. I want to pass on to others who will then, you know, pass this knowledge and yeah. skill and wisdom on to others. So a little bit of a side note, and mm. then I'll let you ask your next question. So I went to Texas A&M Commerce to apply for the master's program. This is right after my MDiv from Southwestern. Yeah. And um, I had my transcripts there. And I was meeting with the head of the department, and I had my um, transcript from Southwestern, and he picked it up. He picked up the transcript, stood up, walked over to the trash can, and said, this is what we think of religious degrees here, oh, dropped it in the trash uh, can. And so uh, my mind was like, I think this is the place I'm going to go. <laughs> so that's pretty crazy. crazy, all of that. But so this became a calling of the Lord it, it's to a be calling. a professor and teacher. Yeah, it's a calling to teach. And I do think that practicing counseling, it makes me humble for one. Yeah, sure. Um, but practicing counseling makes me a better professor and being a professor makes me a better counselor. So it's kind of a... I just really like the balance. Yeah. So do you, at this time, do you still do personal counseling yes. and, and your professor? Uh -huh, well? Right. Um, out of Pathways, Path Pathways Christian Counseling, it's a ministry of First Baptist Dallas. And so really okay. thankful wow. that they've given me that, you know, opportunity. Absolutely. And man. then um, with, with June Hunt, too, um, she's the one that established the Hope for the Heart Chair of biblical counseling there at Criswell College and I could not be more thankful for her and having that privilege to really represent mm. Criswell but also you know represent Hope for the Heart too. Yeah. Mm. Well if you don't mind in our next segment I, I kind of want to dig into a little bit of your experience um, actually counseling people and and what that's been like and, and what it's like to counsel people the good the bad the ugly the the whole gamut of what it's like to be a professor. And so I think that's where we'll, we'll go next if everybody's good. All right, sounds good. sounds good. Well, as Neil mentioned, uh, Dr. Hunter, we now want to kind of shift more towards talking about your experience of being a counselor and the different things that you've run into, right. not so much as in the classroom as a professor, but the one-on-one -on -one counseling either with uh, children, adults, families, things like that. So first of all, I just wanted to ask, how long have you done personal counseling? Oh, yeah. Wow. That's a, you know, let me get my calculator out. <laughs> I'm, I'm old. I would say probably 30 years. Wow. wow. I bet. It's just striking to me. Y'all mentioned about Thanksgiving and Christmas coming up and seeing my grown kids you know, come home. I have seven mm. kids, five girls and two boys. Yeah. Five and girls. so, you know, anyway. That's you, so you've, you've been doing counseling. You've been doing personal counseling ever since you had children. Or I'm getting personal <laughs> counseling because yeah, I have because so you children. Have children. That's probably a little more accurate. So, yeah, I would say, you know, 30 years because it started really as a pastor. 
um, when I was a pastor mm -hmm. doing counseling. And then mm -hmm. um, I went to the mission field where we served in Central and Eastern Europe in former Soviet Union countries a little over seven years. Uh, my wife and I, my family and I, mm -hmm. and um, I did member care. Nobody really even knows what member care is. So yeah. what's member care, I hear right. you asking. It's yeah. pastoral care and counseling for missionaries. So oh, um, wow. it was. I thought, you know, this role is just perfectly designed, yeah. you know, for me mm. to. Whenever there's a crisis, they would just drop me off in the middle of nowhere. I remember in, um, it was the dead of winter, and there was a crisis in Siberia. Nova Sibirsk. Oh. And so they just dropped me off in the middle of Siberia. Oh, oh my goodness. goodness. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm too that's, old for that amazing. now, but it was fun back in the day. So that's amazing. Yeah. What, what is, you mentioned it a little bit, but what is your philosophy in Christian counseling? What, what are you, what are you trying to accomplish? What, what are the, what's the approach you would take in ministering to someone who comes and sees you? Yes, I think that that's a great question, um, Neil. And so what's interesting to me, I can't separate the two. The way that I teach is the way that I counsel, and the way that I counsel is the way that I mm. teach. Yeah, sure. And yeah. so it fits really if you – I'll give you my theoretical um, orientation is cognitive behavioral therapy, mm -hmm. right? And so you all talk about mind mm. matters. And so that's really a theory that puts yeah. a yeah. lot of matter – Right. Yeah. And importance on the mind and what we think now that impacts our behavior mm -hmm. and how well it fits with scripture so that, you know, change the mind and change your life. Yeah, basically. And so it's it's transformative, I think. But really, um, it's an integrative approach. And so what does that mean? And, and it's really our master of arts in counseling and our undergraduate in psychology is built upon this integrative approach, the scripture um, that is my foundation is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, you know, soul, spirit, body, all of mm -hmm. who you are. Yeah. Right. And so we talk about a uh, mind, but I also think it's important to, for whatever reason, we as Christians will separate that from the body and realize how important the body is, especially when it comes to dealing with trauma. Mm, yeah. And so trauma resides like, you know, in in our body and also personal care and self-care, those kinds of things. But it's an integrative approach. And what does that mean? So I have a foundational scripture and that's love the Lord your God with all of who you are so that he can do in us and through us what we cannot do for ourselves for his glory, and that's to love others. And mm. so that's just the heart of who I am, the heart of our programs. What is an integrative approach? I'll just kind of give it to you in a nutshell. I'm a born-again Christian. I believe in the word of God stand on that as my very foundation went to seminary i know how important it is mm -hmm. to then mm -hmm. be hermeneutically sound be doctrinally sound right. be solid in what you believe and in your faith um and then um to have that as a foundation but then to have some really nice tools and interventions and theory yeah. and i just call it my handy dandy little toolbox that, you know yeah, that i take with we just talked about that have, in the last podcast to have those yep. tools and yes. yep. to me that is being effective that is to me 
that's actually, I think, even being ethical to mm. to mm-hmm. know what are the ethics, yes. to know what's legal. When I had that knocking on my door, there's the knocking again. I didn't know at the time that it was mandatory to report that. Right. Just so mm. happened that the report was made. Later I found out, yeah, that there's mandatory reporting for us as ministers as well. And so I encourage ministers, mm-hmm. man, take some ba- basic counseling and psychology courses, you know. Yeah. Sit on the other side of the aisle and get counseling for yourself. So here we have this. Um, integrative approach that's based on faith, but it's also research-based. That is Mm -hmm. dive into the deep end, understand depression, understand anxiety, understand these different personality disorders. With me and my expertise and really where I dig in is with depression, anxiety, suicide, understand those individually and how they work together and bring a person to a point where the person's thinking, I want to end my life. Mm -hmm. And that's just been a prayer of mine. I hope that we can talk about that, you know, a little more later, but my, my prayer and heart's desire is I've just been praying, God help me understand what brings a person to that point. I think as ministers, we must know these things. Mm-hmm. Yes. If you're not struggling with depression and anxiety yourselves, well, praise God. Right, but right. you're going to have family members and church members who are. Right. Yeah. It's a reality. And yeah. depression is, yes, like you said, hang on to the truth. It's what mm-hmm. keeps us from despair. You said that at the yeah. top of the hour, David. Yeah. That's so very important. There's nothing more important than that. But with depression, you have to realize that there's biological contributors to depression. There is actually genetic contributors to depression. Be able to understand. I mean, I teach a neuroscience class, too. To be able to understand how God has designed our bodies is so very helpful, especially when it comes to really wrapping our minds around depression and anxiety. Yeah, and I I think, too, you know, we've mentioned before, you know, when I went to counseling for the very first time, probably seven years ago, I walked in the door and I had been already been a pastor for 13 years. And my my counselor said, Neil, I'm not going to sit in here and just quote a bunch of scripture at you as if you don't already know what the Bible says. You know, you, you I was trying to cling to the truth, but I had so many other things going on in my body and my mind that I couldn't. It was difficult to process the truth because of the neurological things that were going on, because of the the genetic things that were going on, the environmental things that were going on in my life. And so I I love hearing you say that, that it's this approach that takes everything together and says, we're going to use the tools that God has given us. We're going to ground it and found it upon God's word. And um, that's so encouraging um, for myself, who's been to counseling, knowing that my counselor was doing it right. (laughs) And and for those that that were trying to encourage to go to counseling. So would you say that's that's your goal, is to get someone to really understand themselves? Uh, Yeah, um, I'll try and remember that question because I don't want to miss this. You know, I just want to let you know, Neil, how important it is and meaningful to hear you say that, to hear Mm. you say Mm. what you just said. Mm. I can't tell you just the satisfaction and joy that I was experiencing personally listening to what you just said. 
I'm so glad it's recorded. Right. Can yeah. you like backtrack that? <laughs> say it again. Right. Right. Yeah. And then move forward because yeah. it's so very important to hear you as a minister. Yes. Right. So influential and well respected and yeah. to yes. see this room and to see your heart. My guess is our we're kindred spirits, the three mm-hmm. of us here, and we have yeah, this no common goal and common purpose. What is that? It might very well be, I just say, what's helpful for me at times is just to say to myself, it's okay not to be okay. Absolutely. You know what? A truth might very well be that you can love the Lord, that you can be closer to him. You can be grounded in the word. You can have your ongoing devotional times and suffer and struggle with anxiety and depression Mm. because, you know, part of it. Yes, it can be our faith that, you know, we need to take a good look at that. It may be our thoughts. It may be some problems that we have with scripture that we're not quite seeing Mm -hmm. correctly. Um, And that's the importance of community and fellowship. But you know what? There may be other contributors. Right. You know, that really are beyond actually beyond my control and to get a good physical to get some blood work to then, you know, see see these mental health challenges mind body soul and spirit from that perspective i really think that's the best most effective way to go yeah mm. yeah when well, you okay. kind of answered my question as you as you went on there <laughs> so what what would you say is the hardest aspect of counseling that you've experienced oh uh, yeah so that's a no brainer for me and so mm. i think that's why i've just dug deeper into the research on depression, anxiety, suicide, because without a doubt, it's suicide Mm, without a doubt. So you have, um, you know, you have these situations where, and I've had these situations, someone came right into my office, right. And said, um, you know, I want to kill myself. I'm going to kill myself today. Um, or would you kill me? Mm. Mm. So what are you going to do with that? Wow. You know, David, what are you going to do with that? No, no, okay, even, Neil, what know. are you going to do with that? Right. And I yeah. really think that it's important for us to talk about these things because it's going to happen. I got the phone yeah. call, right? I am at Walmart. You can tell this is, you know, back in the day when Walmart sold, you know, guns and ammo. Who's like, I'm, I'm here. I'm going to buy me a gun. I'm going to... Sh- kill myself today and so what do you do with those you know what do you do with those Mm -hmm. phone calls what do you do in that moment yeah well i mean yeah part of it's common sense but you know part of it's training how are you going to assess Mm. lethality in that in that moment do you have um do you have uh like a safety suicide inventory in your book bag, in your back pocket, so that you can assess lethality when you're confronted with those situations, because I think you're going, I think mm-hmm. it's going to happen. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. it's just a matter of time. Question. Yeah. yeah. And, and so not only dealing with people who are contemplating suicide, um, would you add to that dealing with families after someone has committed suicide would you add that to the difficulty or or some of the hardest things you've dealt with 
Um, you know, it's I can't describe it. I think if I think about it too long, I'll, I'll probably will just yeah. weep. Sure. Right, right, yeah. right on the air. Right. I can uh, feel the emotion right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, in the aftermath, we we think about. Um, let me tell you what we think about. Like, hold on a second here. So um, we think about then a million suicides worldwide. And if you multiply the number of suicides by 25, you get, uh, you get a guess at how many suicide attempts. So in the U.S. Wow. in 2017, that was 48,300 suicides, which means a million and a half attempts. Oh. Since COVID, so I got this, since COVID, COVID has just squeezed us. Whatever you're struggling with on the inside, COVID just squeezes that and magnifies that. Mm -hmm. Whatever the struggle, whatever the intensity, COVID is mm -hmm. just squeezed. And so I just read, I, I read it this past week, deaths by drug overdose, more than 100,000 in a year during COVID. It's wow. the most ever in a year in the history of our nation. Wow. And so what percentage of those, you know, are right. suicides? You have to realize right. it's people that are trying to escape pain yeah. and numb pain, yeah. right. right? Avoid pain. And so suicide, I mean, it's so dangerous. It's such, mm -hmm. you know, a dangerous addiction. But you mm -hmm. can hear the desperation. Like you said, you got to hold on to that hope. What we're talking about is despair. And since COVID, they've even, they have a new phrase for that since COVID. It's called deaths of despair. Deaths mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. despair. And so the, yeah. they're analyzing the data now. We don't even know just really all of the numbers since wow. COVID yeah. as far as increased rates of addiction and abuse in the home and then depression anxiety suicide i link them yeah together yeah no question but um yeah just just those rates mm. those rates they're wow. skyrocketing yeah yeah I, i've um i have dealt on a, a couple of occasions with someone who called me on the phone and said like i'm about to do it now mm -hmm. um I praise the Lord that it was um, both those occasions happened to me after I had been to counseling for myself. Um, when my toolbox um, was a little bit more full than it was before. So I praise the Lord that I had some resources there to deal with that. But I, I just remember the panic in my own heart and mind um, when that happened to, to, I can't imagine not having anything to yeah. help that person yeah. um, and the difficulty that comes with trying to love someone in the midst of them wanting to end it all and be done. Um, and so, yeah, I, I can completely understand how the hardest aspect of counseling would be dealing with, with that. And then the aftermath of if someone does actually, commit suicide, the, the families that come along with that and the difficulty of counseling that, that comes there. Yeah, I think so. It's absolutely devastating. And, mm -hmm. you know, sitting with the family, um, 
and loved ones in the aftermath, we we forget about them. It's just absolutely yeah. devastating. You know, I feel responsible too. If I if I knew the person or was right. counseling the person, I feel responsible right. too. I'm yes. like, wow, what could I have done? Yeah. And and yeah. so here's this, you know, this grieving, and there's so many unanswered questions. And what if I? There's so much guilt and regret. What if I would have done this differently or that differently? If, uh, you know, I shouldn't have said this or I shouldn't have said that. And, you know, it's just the importance of, you know, community and fellowship and loved ones. The only way I think it's the only way we're going to even begin to try and get to the other side. I don't believe that there's ever another side. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, you over a period of time, you might get to the point where, um, it's manageable, but I've heard so many times I, I just, I want to join them. And yeah. that's the fear too. I just want to join them. I want to be with my loved ones. And so you yeah. can see, um, cluster suicides. And so just to be able to minister to the family, um, yeah. in that time as well. And, so and you so very important. You mentioned something um, right then that I, I just want to kind of touch on. You, you, you talked about feeling guilty. Um, you talked about, you know, if you were counseling that person, they committed suicide, what could I have done different? What could I have said? What approach could I have taken that may have been different? And, and that leads me to a discussion that I want to have for a moment about how do you as a counselor take care of yourself? Because, you, you know, you're dealing with people's issues all day long. If you're a professional counselor where you're in the office all day, you know, you've got six appointments throughout the day and you've got people coming in, pouring out their guts to you of, of the worst things that are going on in your life. And now you've got to be mentally healthy Yeah. because my counselor said to me, David and I have the same counselor. Um, but one of the things he says to me is he says, I always, as I'm counseling, I try to put myself in your position. I try to get inside of your mind. Um, and so as a counselor, when you're doing that, with six different people throughout the day, or even if it's just one person for the day, how do you make sure that at the end of that day, you're taking care of yourself so that you are able to love them properly? Yeah, I think it's a great question, Neil. Wish we had, you know, an an hour just to talk about that. Right. And to talk about self-care, self-stewardship. I, I like that. I hadn't caught on yet, but I'm going to keep saying it. I love it, that. You, you know? mentioned but, that yeah, to us before good. we started recording. I love that. Self-stewardship yes. is wonderful. Yeah. And so here's what you mentioned. You mentioned empathy. Yeah. That's what you mentioned. Right. With your counselor. You know, I want to see your world from your perspective. That's empathy. Empathy is like a healing balm. And every counselor that's worth his salt or her salt, um, they give the gift of empathy. And Mm -hmm. it's absolutely priceless. And that's something that can be taught. We teach that at the master's level. How do you empathize with someone who's Mm -hmm. suffering? Mm -hmm. And so it's a beautiful gift. But I want to let you know and just um, stay on this road. Thomas Joyner has like the number one theory on um, suicide. And the reason I, I mentioned that, so he says, here's the things that interact, perceived burdensomeness, low belongingness, and fearlessness, perceived burdensomeness, right? I'm a burden. Mm -hmm. I'm not any use to anybody, low belongingness, isolation, and fearlessness. Now, this is interesting. This is where I'm going to answer your question, believe it or not. And that is 
his point, it's a great point, it's unique to his theory, is we actually have to overcome nature to take our own lives by suicide because God's wired us up right. to survive. Sure. Wow. But he says this, Neil and David and me, that you're in one of the groups that is most at risk. Mm-hmm. So here's the point. It's people, military, it's first responders, it's um, medical professionals, counselors, pastors, those that deal with intense emotion and death on a regular basis. Mm. They really have to desensitize themselves to a certain degree in order to be effective in ministry. Mm. He says those are the ones that are most at risk. Mm-hmm. And so what happens then, I wrote an article on this actually, and it is on self-care. And so thanks for asking the question. And there's this phrase, it's called compassion fatigue. What in the heck is that? Yeah. Compassion fatigue is something, it's, it's different than burnout, right? It's different than depression. When we minister to others, we actually take on the suffering of others and we take on more than we realize that's how and why compassion fatigue can come up and cut the legs right out from underneath you because you're taking on way more than you realize. And Mm -hmm. so then self-care or self-stewardship becomes an absolute necessity. I can give some recommendations or kind of what's helpful for me if if we have time. I don't know when our our, um, segment ends, but here's some things that I think are most helpful for me. I already mentioned one, it's okay not to be okay, but I like Mm -hmm. the idea of stillness. People call it mindfulness. I like the idea of stillness. The first scripture that comes to mind is Psalm 4610, be still and know that I'm God. Um, and sometimes, you know, I'll add deep breathing, right? Yeah. Yes, deep mm-hmm. breathing. Oh, yeah. well, that's new age. No, it's not. When you no. breathe mm-hmm. deeply, right, three or four times, what happens is it calms the central nervous system. Right. So I'll plug in scripture as I'm I'm um, breathing deeply, right. right? So be still and know, breathe in deep that he is God. Let that out. Mm. But I also love Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. You know that. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean in your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will make your path straight. So what am I talking about? Mindfulness, not mindfulness, but stillness, meditating on scripture and and God's word and music. Um, Also, um, so... What's some other things? Diet, exercise, and sleep. There's not an article that I've read on depression that does not mention diet, exercise, and sleep. Here's the neuroscience of it is that motion dictates emotion. Mm. Yeah. That's pretty powerful if you think about it. Say that again. Say that again. Motion dictates emotion. Right. So here's the point. I have a morning prayer. Steve, uh, I don't pray to myself. How about <laughs> how about God? God. How about God? <laughs> yeah, that's God. what I call God, Steve. Let's talk to that guy. That's absolutely false. In fact, lightning's gonna strike. <laughs> but get out of bed, get out of your head, and allow yourself to be led. You know, through mm, this day by the Good, good Shepherd, right? Mm. And so, if I can get out of bed, what's that? That's motion. So already that's dictating my emotion, which 
what I would love more than anything is to stay in bed. Yeah. Yeah. I have yeah. a ton of stuff to do. It's, it's pressure and pain in the present. Right. Yeah. Right. A ton of stuff to do. It's so overwhelming. I'm going to stay in bed and then everything snowballs. Yes. 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 But if I can get up, right? Get up and get moving and get the day started and actually get out of my bed, get out of my room, get out of my house, then things are rolling. It's crazy that you said that because with my anxiety and that's, that's my issue. Um, I praise the Lord that I'm healthier now than I was seven years ago. But, but when I was at my worst and, and I mean, even, even now I hate mornings as an anxious person, yes. I, I hate mornings because it's, it's knowing everything that's coming for the day. That's right. Knowing I got to deal with everything that's it's coming crushing. for the day. And yes. Right. So, but what's, what is so true is getting up out of bed. I tell my wife all the time, the worst part of my day is that five seconds <laughs> that I have to determine to get out of bed. Yeah. Yes. Once I'm up and I'm, I'm doing things and I'm engaging and I'm, I'm, you know, I, I've started that day, but so that's right. so good that, that, good that motion dictates emotion because it's so true. true. Once I get, once I stand up, yeah. I'm like, okay, here we go. We, yeah. You know? And, and so that's great. I, I love that, especially as someone with anxiety because it's so, so true. Yeah. Because it's a, it's a horrible, um, depression and anxiety are like relentless beast without morals right yes because yes, depression wants to hold you in bed and yes. sink you down into the mattress and pull yes. the covers shut the blinds anxiety that's forward thinking i'm worried and nervous and anxious about what's going to happen mm -hmm. and so anxiety then um creates that fear and anxiety that also just it it can paralyze absolutely. you. Absolutely. Yeah. It can paralyze absolutely. you. I yeah. want to stay in bed yeah. because I don't want any of these things to, I don't want yeah. to deal with any that's of this right. stuff. Right. That's right. right. Yeah, that's, yeah. I think it, it's really good. It's Motion really good dictates emotion. Yeah, and yeah. let me uh, mention a couple of more of my favorites. Absolutely. And then that's community, friendships, accountability, mm. transparency. Amen. Yep. You know that's Amen right, David. That. Isn't absolutely. that right? Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. And it, it's biblical friends. Yeah. It's biblical yes. friends. They know the good, bad, and ugly, mm -hmm. and, and they love you. They yes. know you best. They love you most. Because then it, it makes it easy for me to build a bridge. Because mm -hmm. I know Christ mm -hmm. knows me best mm -hmm. and loves me most. And if this fallen person like me, this broken person like me, can love me, good, bad, and ugly, then certainly... God can love me yeah. Yeah. Yeah, even and, more so. And David, just for our listeners here, um, David and I have kind of seen each other at our worst. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, when I was at my worst, David would come over to my house on Monday nights yeah. when our ladies would have Bible study and he would just sit with me and we would eat dinner. That's we, it. Would, we would watch mm -hmm. something. Yeah. But mm -hmm. to have someone there that knew how, knew what I was feeling, yeah. knew what I was going That's through. Right. And loved his pastor. Yes. Like I'm here to love my pastor who's struggling. Yeah. And you know, and and so, and then being vice versa, being able to be right. there for David in his lowest points and lowest times. Right. And for us to see that in each other and say, "I love you." Yeah. It's okay yeah. that you you are this way right now. Yeah. Like we're we're gonna be here for each other, and that does give me a picture of if David can do that for me, then mm. my goodness, what must God be for me? 
Absolutely. Because, Absolutely. you know, how much infinitely better is God than any other human being could be? Yeah. Wow. So that's a great point. Man, Neil, just love listening to you talk. It's just so, <laughs> I'm so thankful, seriously yeah. thankful that God has you in this position and that Amen. you're saying those things. Yeah. Because we so say those things when it's too late. Yeah. You yeah, know, when so we true. hear about, um, right. you know, ministers who've taken their own lives, you know, yes. by suicide. Yes. Um, it starts with uh, what you're saying just now. It's like music to my ears. I'm just so, so thankful for you. So I want to give a, a couple of more of these if we have time. I hope I hope that we do. Absolutely. But I also hope that you guys realize, I mean, your friendship is like a precious gift to have that accountability and transparency. Mm, yeah. um, because research shows that most ministers don't. And so I think uh, God's really blessed you guys. And uh, I would like to say this. You're doing it right. Just really really proud of you both. And so, uh, yeah, a couple of more that have been, I think, helpful. um, And that is get some counseling. We've talked about that a number of times. Man, counselors are are worth their weight in gold, I think. Mm -hmm. They give that gift of empathy that's just like a healing balm. But I think uh, what's so important is that they provide perspective. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. What's satisfying to me every time I hear, you know, I never really saw it that way before. Right. And Mm -hmm. so... You gain perspective, and based on the perspective and insight, then that's that's going to change you. It's going to change your heart, change your mind, probably change those next steps forward. And yeah. so, so counselors need counselors. Counselors yes. need counselors. Pastors need counselors. That's right. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly right. And so, you know, I mean, I would make it mandatory if I was still a pa- pastor, starting with me. Yep. But anyway... Um, yeah, and be open to medication because, mm-hmm. I mean, we have just some great medications today. One of my best friends um, is Sean Matthew. He's a Christian psychiatrist. He's one of the most godly men I've, I've ever met. And so I have this team yeah. so we can work together as a team That's and great. have these uh, great recommendations, too. Mm. Um, let's see. A couple of other things that, you know, um, just uh, don't want to forget. And that is purpose in life. So I'm doing more research on depression, anxiety, suicide. And so every article I see, diet, exercise, sleep. These latest articles that I'm looking at is the importance of purpose in life. So this is put out by Harvard. It's now getting into the uh, medical profession so that and they're, when they're doing a physical, general questions are, what's your purpose in life? Can you state mm-hmm. your purpose in life in one sentence? Wow. And mm-hmm. they're seeing how that is just a huge contributor to um, mental health and well-being sure. is having that yeah. purpose in life. I think that mm. that's really super important. Um, some other things that I'm thinking about uh, just right off the top of my head here. Um, too, is just uh, gratitude. And so once again, research, I mean, we have a course, David and I, History of Psychology. We're looking at today's psychology, all of the research on gratitude. The neuroscience is, if you can believe this, Neil, so think about this, the neuroscience of it is anxiety and gratitude cannot coexist. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So... 
How thankful are you? What about some interventions centered around gratitude? Keep a gratitude journal. And for some reason, you know, try it for 21 days is what I've heard. And that's, you know, the amount of time that you can change a habit. But when you go to sleep, write down three things that you're thankful for, three people Mm -hmm. that you're thankful for and why. Do that for 21 days and then see how that grabs you. Yeah. Right. So let me know. Get that started. Give me a text in 21 (laughs) days. Um, A couple of more things I want to mention, and that is just the research on forgiveness. And so once again, David and I are covering that in in our course. And um, it's Everett Worthington. He is a world-renowned psychologist on forgiveness. He not only talks about what forgiveness is, what it's not, but um, steps to forgiveness using the REACH model of forgiveness. June Mm -hmm. Hunt, too, has some great material on forgiveness, biblical counseling key on forgiveness. And Mm. I guess if I was going to be transparent and sometimes I'm overly transparent, gets me in a lot of trouble. (laughs) I really do think that resentment and bitterness and the unwillingness to forgive will just eat you from the inside out. It will poison you from the inside out. Yeah, it will. Yeah. Yeah. Any thoughts on that? Well, I I just, I, I just know as we're, you know, self stewardship, you know, as a pastor, it's so easy and and anybody can do this. I mean, anybody can get to the place where you're pouring out to people and you're giving to people and you're not even questioning how you're doing until it's crisis mode. Yeah. That's what happened to me is that I, I was pouring out, I was pouring out and I never, I wasn't, I never was questioning, okay, am I grateful enough? Am I harboring any, you know, unforgiveness in my life? Am I taking time, you know, I told David last episode, you know, having a sabbatical every day, every, every week, having a time where I, I just focus on myself and I don't focus on other things. And so often that's what we get so busy and we get so, um, just so loving people and working and and doing the things that we got to do that we don't ever stop to say, okay, what am I doing to make sure that I'm stewarding myself properly, that I'm taking care of myself properly so that I can love people better. It's really good. And, and, and I know I, I mean, I'm not saying this, but I'm saying if if pastors do that, Mm -hmm. everybody's doing that. Right. You know, if counselors do that, who they're supposed to be the ones who know and they're not, then everybody's doing that. And so taking care of ourselves, even as cast, you know, counselors, as pastors, as lay people, as deacons, as Sunday school teachers, as whatever it may be and whatever ministry God's given us, taking care of ourselves mm-hmm. is, is massively important. And I, I want to I ask one more question in yeah. this segment. Yeah, preach that. What's been the most rewarding for you thing for you in, in uh, counseling, personal counseling? Yeah. Uh, well, I think... Um, I think I can answer that pretty quickly, and that is uh, I've had some people call. I mean, it might be three years later, mm. five years later. Right. It might. Um, it was as a result of counseling services, or it was as a result of doing the great thing that you guys are doing here. 
and have and talking about these issues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you realize how important this is? Yeah. I'll tell you how important this is. Yeah. I'll hear people say, I was going to end my life. And because of what you said, mm-hmm. I, I chose to live. Mm. And it's five wow. years later, and wow. I'm like, yeah. well, it doesn't get any better than that. Right. That's, no. pr- that's happened three times so far, you know, wow. and I don't know. I guess that's I'm just fantastic. reminded that, you know, that this is, this is a calling. Yeah. And um, God's at work, and, you know, mm-hmm. lives can be changed and literally yeah. saved because of what you are doing now. Yeah. So. It's well, always amazing Lord. to me how a simple word, a simple phrase, a simple comment can change someone's life forever for the better. I mean, you mm-hmm. can you can say something yes. that can just dramatically change someone's life, yeah. which is why we need to be careful because sometimes we can say something that is negative yeah. and can hurt someone. Like you You're mentioned, right. you were bullied verbally yeah. so often. Like these words stick with yeah. us forever. So you can either speak life into someone, That's or right. you can start to speak death into someone. And right. we, we've got to be careful with how we talk because word. if we can speak positively, man, all the po- what kind of power yeah. we have. That's the power of life and death in the tongue, brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Well, let's 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 have one last segment, and in this segment, I just kind of want to um, kind of give you the floor, Doctor Hunter, to encourage people to take counseling seriously, take it when it's available, and and kind of maybe even push somebody who's kind of on the edge or doesn't quite know. And uh, so that's where we'll turn next. are back here with Dr. Hunter and we're moving into our third segment of where we just want to talk about uh, really in how encouraging people to go into counseling and what kind of that would look like. So really what I want to ask you is what encouraging words would you give someone who is leery of counseling or thinks that Christian counseling is not biblical because all you need is the Bible or biblical discipleship? Okay, so, you know, I'm just thinking about um, someone who's considering counseling or uh you're out there you know you need some help you know you're struggling you know it's a victory just to get up out of bed you know you have this light switch what's the light switch that is the light switch is off and it's dark Mm. and i feel depressed and anxious I'm at that point of despair. But then you turn that light switch on, right? And just Mm. kind of do what you need to do to survive the day. Mm. And so you recognize the signs. You recognize the signs, depression and anxiety, even suicidal ideation, right? You say those kinds of things. I'm at the point of despair. It's hopeless and and it's helpless. Um, Good enough is never good enough. Mm. Uh, These kinds of things. Life would be better off if I wasn't here. My family would be better off if I wasn't here. These things that uh, I think are really indicators that you, that you need to get help. Yeah. I think the most important thing is to talk to someone, but not anyone. Mm-hmm. And maybe even start small. Yeah. Maybe you know some people that struggle with depression and anxiety. They, they've been transparent with their story, like you, Neil, like you, David. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would talk to you guys. Yeah. You guys are safe, yeah. right? 
And um, just so, once again, thankful that both of y'all are in the ministry. Once again, it just does my heart good because you can talk to family members. You can talk to church members, right? You know, and you might actually feel worse as a Mm. result um, Mm. because there's the stigma, for one, and they don't really know what to say, okay? They can make matters worse. And so they may actually see you as a problem to be fixed Mm. instead of a person to be loved. Mm -hmm. Mm. And so you want to find someone, I think, who kind of knows the struggle, who knows this world. It's kind of a culture of depression, anxiety. It's, you know, thoughts and even a language and even a world of who understands that world. That's what I want to say. And not just understands the world, but says this. This is how I've gotten help. Yeah. This is yeah. what's been most helpful for yeah. me. Mm-hmm. Talk this to someone, but not to anyone. all the difference yeah. in the world. That's great. Yeah. What do you think about? I see you shaking your head, yeah. Neil. Uh, what do you I think just, about I love, that? I love talk to someone, but not anyone. I love that because when I was going through what, I, when I was at my worst, when I, my brother had gone through a um, horrible bout of anxiety. Um, he had lost like 60 pounds. I mean, it had just been horrible and he had gotten healthier and I knew David had gone through things. And when I talked to them and you spoke about the culture of, of, of them being through it and them, yeah. when they said to me, I know how you feel, it was like the greatest yeah. sentence anyone had ever yes. said to me. Yeah. I know, Neil, I know how you feel. Yeah. I was like, oh, wow. Thank God. That's I, good. I thought I was by myself and yeah. alone. That's and right. I was That's so it. scared. That's it. And, and so going to people that you know are safe in that way that have been through things and that will see you as someone to be loved. That is just massive because you can go to somebody and they'll look at you and say, well, I just think you need to believe more. Right. And I'm like, man, I believe Jesus with all my heart. I love (laughs) Jesus with all my heart. What are you talking about? But to have people that can come alongside and say, and say, and here's what helped me. Yeah. And here's the things that, that God used in my life to help me live and, you know, with freedom, you know, yeah. and, and victory that, I, I, that I, is absolutely huge. David. Yeah, yeah. I think that word safe is yeah. so crucial. Mm-hmm. I love you guys have both used that. Yeah. I love that because you're right. Once you were able to express how you felt and I was able to say, I know how you feel. You'd feel safe. Oh my gosh. You're, you're yeah, now like, was... I, I can speak openly. And I remember, you know, you mentioned when you came over or when I came over to your house and we just kind of sat together, you would ask me a bunch of questions. Like, I feel this way. Is that normal? Yeah. I feel this way. Is that normal? You, you felt safe to be able to ask all these questions and I could say, yeah, oh yeah, I felt that. Yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. And, and that, I, that is just so life-changing for anyone who has felt that they've had to hide all their issues and hide their struggles because that's not part of the world. You know, that they, they, they want to, they want, they don't want people to look at them differently. Right. And so when, when they, they, they hide all these things, but if they can feel safe and open up about this, you got to find someone like that. That's huge. And that brings us to what you just said, brings us to the word stigma. Yeah. And I know Dr. Hunter, you you want to talk about that, but there's this stigma around mental health and about around counseling. Why don't you speak on that just for a minute about, you know, why that's there and, and why it is such a horrible thing. Yeah. It's a stigma. It, It is. And you know, uh, we've done better. 
And I'll tell you why. A couple of things uh, when I was listening to you guys speak that I don't want to miss. And I was just kind of getting chills as I was listening <laughs> to you guys speak. But And I realized, you know, the Holy Spirit is, is at work. I sure. think it's a powerful moment, you know, when I really feel that yeah. down in the depths. And and um, you said there's something powerful. And it's you realize you're not alone. Yeah. Yes. And it, 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 what it does is it eliminates that lie yeah. that yes. I'm alone yes. and nobody cares and nobody understands. Right. And you know what? It's a lie. Yeah, it is right. a lie. Right. You're not alone. Right. And there Amen. are people that care. Yep. And Amen. it may take some time to find those people. But once you do, like I mentioned with your friendship, but you guys also work together, yeah. right? Th then that relationship, it, it just becomes priceless. Yeah. And really, if you have one or two people, you know, that... Um, they know the good, bad, and ugly about you, then, you know, it's yeah. going to be, that person's going to be worth their weight oh my God, and absolutely. gold. And so talk about the stigma. And what I just shared is that's opposite of the stigma. Right. Mm. Yeah. That's opposite of, right. you know, I don't want to over-dramatize that you're going to get sometimes in the church, but the church is changing. Denominations yeah. are changing. Mm. I think about Michael Phelps. He's a great hero. He talks about depression. He talks about I had 23 gold medals and I wanted to take my own life by suicide. Yeah. And then I saw a therapist. It's a great yeah, it's commercial from Talkspace. Yeah. But wow. you have um, other superstars like, you know, Neil and David that, <laughs> you know, other superstars, <laughs> other heroes that are also saying, yeah, I struggle. I love the mm. Lord and I struggle in these right. ways. And so you begin to realize you're not alone. But what happens is you really punch the stigma in the face. Yes. That's what you're doing. That's what you're doing right now to stop the stigma, you know, to be able to stand up and say, I love the Lord. And yeah, I struggle. But you know what? We probably actually all of us struggle with yes. something. Yeah, so right. we might as well be transparent. Right. And, um, you know, I think that that's really the beauty, the beauty of a safe space. I think about, you know, regen, re regeneration and that ministry and yeah, re-engage. Yeah. It provides a, a safe space mm -hmm. for people with habits and hang ups and really some intense kind of struggles yeah. to say I'm struggling. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And they find people that draw close as opposed to then people that distance themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I try and give people that distance themselves a little bit of a break. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe they're struggling themselves and they don't know what to, you know, they may need help themselves. And so that might be part of the distance. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it, it, it is the stigma. I think it's unfortunate. Um, it's unfortunate if we're a church and we meet together as as good people good Christian people as opposed to look we're we're broken and we mm -hmm. all struggle because I think that's that's the heart of our dependence on Christ yes. and our dependence yes. on one another and I think that's how God designed the church to be yeah and that that Amen. stigma of if you struggle with mental health you're crazy right. or if you you struggle with mental health 
you don't love the Lord enough, right? Not or enough if faith. you, yeah, you don't have enough faith, yeah. Wh- whatever, whatever that may be. Um, and I know churches are doing. A, a, I know churches are doing a better yes. job. They're trying yeah. to mm-hmm. meet this need in a way that maybe we have it in the past here in the West, like mm-hmm. we we should have. And so I, I just want to ask this question, and I, I want all three of us to talk about it, but Doctor Hunter, especially you. What do you think churches can do yeah. to help people in this area of mental health and counseling? And um, like, where 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 do you see good trends, and how can churches continue that good trend? Well, that's some great questions. You have asked outstanding questions, and so yeah, I see trends like never. I told you, I've been you know, in this field for 30 years. And I see open doors more than ever, even with denominations, with the SBTC, for example. Um, I spoke at a panel at, you know, uh, one of their uh, state conventions. Mm. And so it was a mental health panel. It was awesome just to share some thoughts, um, begin to talk about the issues, have a time for questions and answers, even provide um, some funding for pastors and pastors' wives who who are struggling. Yeah, and um, so I see that at the denominational level, but with directors of missions, uh, they give me a call and say, hey, can you come talk to our pastors and pastors' wives about these issues? Yeah. There's more opportunities to speak than, um, and I'm like, look, give me the opportunity and I'll walk through the door. I'll do it for free because, yeah. oops, mm. I might not have should have said that last day, <laughs> but you know I do have a lot of kids to feed. But anyway, I mean, just the importance of talking, having yeah. these podcasts, what you're doing right now, these trends um, that really put mental health issues front and center. At Criswell College, we see mental health just coming front and center. Yep. So we see Christian colleges these trends as well. Um, I think to put. M- to make mental health a priority because what I see is healthy churches, Mm. not just growing churches, but also healthy churches. And I think that gives, that provides good sustainable growth when we're addressing these issues that we're struggling with. Yeah. Mm. You know, one of the things too, I think, and one, it, it, I don't know, perspective, something that's very important. But when, when I went through my crisis time and, and still struggle with anxiety and, um, and that kind of thing. But one of the things that it did for me in studying scripture is it kind of illuminated areas where other people, you could tell in scripture, this person's dealing with some a mental crisis here. This isn't just a, just a spiritual issue. This person in scripture that I'm reading about is dealing with some mental things. You know, when, mm. when you begin to read the Psalms and David is having to say to his soul, why are you downcast? Yeah, that's a good word. Yeah. Like that's that's not just, David, you don't love the Lord enough. David's saying, why am I, I love the Lord. Why am I downcast? And it is right. his soul, which means this is at the heart yeah. level, yes. the essence yes. of who he is. Right. right? And so I, I think one of the things that we can do as pastors David and teachers is that we can we can bring out those elements of scripture that may have been overlooked for years and you can say listen when David's saying this look at what he's going through mentally yeah. and then relate that to the people and say yeah. he's going through what some of you are going through right and and instead of just making everything in scripture 
it is all spiritual. And so I'm not downplaying the spiritual aspect or the sin aspect, but when someone's struggling, just say, oh, they're struggling because they don't love the Lord enough. Mm. Well, David loved the Lord. He was a man after God's own heart and yeah. struggled mightily with some stuff. Right. And, and being able to help your people see that in scripture will, I think, allow them to be able to open up. Okay. Yes. I'm like David. Yes. I'm going through like something maybe David, the psalmist was going through, mm-hmm. or King David was going through, or, oh, you know what? I'm a lot like Peter. I have these grand, yeah. grandioso ideas, but, but when it comes down to it, I, I struggle here. And so I think being able to do that for your people in churches is massive in being able to help the people relate to the, the struggles of, of individuals in scripture and not hold them all up as superheroes. Yes. But real people yes. who struggled like we do. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know that. And you it, it's it is serious. So we see um at Harvest Christian Fellowship, right? Mm-hmm. With Greg Laurie and then mm-hmm. um Jared. Is it uh Jared Wilson? I think. Yeah, I think so. Um I hope I have that name right because I just I think about him a lot. And um, he was 30 years old and on staff there. And uh, I don't think that that's the name. But he was on staff at, at yeah. Greg Laurie's church, yes. though. And founder of Anthem of Hope. And um, it's just tragic, um, him taking his life at 30. You know, yeah. can we look that up? I would just I, feel, right I'd feel so bad, you know, with the, with the wrong name because I just, uh, I think about, you know, I think about him often. Mm-hmm. And what the things that you're Jer- saying. Jared Wilson, founder yeah, of Anthem. Yeah, Club. the things that you're saying are, are exactly what he said before he took his own life at 30 years old. Mm-hmm. And that is, you know, you can love Jesus, but it doesn't mean that you're not going to struggle. Right. right. And, um... I just think that if you have this kind of situation to know that that it exists and just the importance importance of talking, I want to Mm. I'm kind of hesitating a little bit because um, I do want to say to listeners out there, you know, I understand the stigma and I understand the fear to reach out and let someone know that I'm struggling. I understand that. I do, too. Yeah. It's I scary. understand that. Absolutely. And we got to ask ourselves, well, what's that about? And mm-hmm. I think I'm just, you know, maybe afraid to be judged yeah. or, yeah. you know, afraid maybe even to admit to myself that I'm weak. Yeah. Mm. I might be telling myself those things that it just means I don't have enough faith. Yeah. It might mean that I'm not a Christian at all. Yeah. And so, yeah. Anyway. I, and I know, and I know for me, the stigma was I was afraid you know, it was, I guess, somewhat irrational, but I was afraid if I admit this, if I admit to kind of the issues that I have, then what does that mean for being able to be a good pastor? What does that mean for being able to be a good husband? And what does that mean for being a, being able to be a good father? Yeah. And so I thought, yeah. if I admit this, then these things that I hold so dear will crumble underneath me because I'll never be looked at as a a leader as a pastor again, mm-hmm. or looked at as a good husband or a good father. And so that stigma for me was that. But then what I found was the very opposite is that once I was transparent with it, I became a better pastor, yeah. a better husband, a Absolutely. better father. And and so the devil wanted to use that to say, 
well, this is going to, if you admit this and get help with this, this is going to hold you back from being what God's called you to be. And it was the very opposite mm. that happened. Yes. But I was afraid. It was yeah. fear. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. You know? And so I think it's important to talk, but also to educate. So this yes. is really super important. And just kind of what flashed in my head is we have some outstanding staff at Criswell College, experts yeah. in the field of mm -hmm. mental health. Absolutely. You mentioned referrals that you have here. Have that network. Do you have psychiatrists? Do you have uh, professional counselors that you refer to? Do you have inpatient yeah. um, referrals, intensive outpatient mm -hmm. referrals? And bring people in to educate and maybe have some breakout sessions so that you, you can idea, talk yeah. because it builds relationships. They see who that person is and it builds that relationship and it, and it creates a bridge. It's like, I know this person. And so I think that yeah. that's super important. Yeah. I think to, to, yeah, talk, but also educate and, and build those bridges. Yeah. Well, just before we go, David, I just want to say, um, things that have brainstormed in my brain for, <laughs> since we started this podcast yeah. was, man, let's do a mind matters like little conference. Oh yeah. You know, where let's we, where we do a mental health conference and we, and you talked about break, having those breakout sessions yes. and bring educators in. Yes. And, um, so that, that's just let you know, listeners, that stuff that's rolling around oh, in my brain right. and <laughs> invite, good. invite the community. Yes. And yeah, absolutely. Well, Dr. Hunter, thank you so much yes. for yes. being here with us. Yes. You have been such a wonderful, um, I say interview, but it wasn't really an interview. It was just more of this discussion that we had, and um, but a resource that people, I, I pray, will hear what you have said today, and it will, again, echo in their brain, mm -hmm. echo in their heart, yeah. and um, they would reach out yeah. to, to not just anybody, but someone yeah. that they really trust and love, and of course, David yeah. and I are here for that. So thank you so much. And I, and I just welcome. have to say, I just have to say it to our listeners, uh, Dr. Hunter is the real deal. I mean, he is someone I've known for quite a while. He's been a great professor to me and to my wife, uh, Shelby as well, yeah. both, both at Criswell and, and just his heart. He, he, he yeah. loves you to your best self. He wants you to do your best. He, he is one of the most humble men I've ever met. One of the most loving men I've ever met. And so I'm just, I'm just trying to say that his credentials are there <laughs> and yeah. he is, he's a good loving man. So Dr. Hunter from the bottom of my heart, I love you brother. And thank you so much for joining us. We just, I just really appreciate well, it. You're very welcome. It's been my privilege. Well, if you uh, stuck with us this whole time, thank you so much. And uh, we are um, always here to be a resource. That's our goal. And we love the Lord. We love each other. We believe the mind matters. Please like, subscribe, all that good stuff on social mm. media and on all the po podcast networks. And let people know that this is a resource out there from a small little church, from two guys that um, just want to, to help as best we can and to yes. love people the best we can and to try to love the Lord better with our own minds as well. So we will see you guys next time.